Hello and welcome to your post-free agency edition of the All32 podcast. Chris is still not with us this week, so again, it's just myself, Sean, and I'm joined once again by Lee. Lee, how are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, but I think I might need to get the same agent as Chris. He's still negotiating a better deal. He certainly is, mate. He certainly is. Not bad for the boss, is it, really? Two weeks off in a row, but uh, we'll let him off. We'll uh, we'll keep the ship a-sailing. Uh, we did warn everybody last week that this is a crazy week in the NFL, and it has been probably one of the most crazy on record. Huge amounts of deals gone down. Uh, a lot of the ones that we discussed last week were confirmed as expected um, once the league year officially opened last Wednesday. There's also been some additional moves made. A huge blockbuster of a trade, which I thought was only a fantasy this time last week. But it's now a reality, so I need to get another jersey ordered. But we'll get on to that shortly. Um, Lee, you said last week how much you love this time of year, like the transfer window opening, like the kid that comes downstairs on Christmas morning. Has it delivered for you this year in free agency? And give us a few teams and a few deals that you think have been really, really good value and excellent business so far. Yeah, it has. It's it's been exciting. It's you know phone going off all the time, seeing all the deals come through, waiting to see if your team makes a deal, you know, so it's, it's been a good time. Um, there's a few good deals out there, I think, that, you know, they're really good. I, I like, although it wasn't a free agent move, I did like the Antonio Brown trade to to Oakland. I think it, it, it kind of fits the mould of, as I've said a number of times on the, on the show, that um, they're trying to be competitive for next year. So once they fill that draft class again, they've still got those three first round picks. I think they're sitting really pretty. And I think, you know, not really worried about the money they gave up, but the draft picks, hey, I think any team would give up those draft picks to um, to get an Antonio Brown. Um, it, it, this is going to hurt to say a little bit as well, but you've got to admire what the Patriots have done again, even if it's not a lot. And what I, when I say that, it's... It, the, the tackle Brown, who went to the Raiders and signed a record deal, that, that just plays into the Patriots' hands so well because they gave up a late pick to get him. They play him for a year while Isaiah Wynn, the first-round pick from last year, is out all season um, with an injury. They then let him walk in free agency. He signs a mega deal, and they get a third-round pick as a compensation pick in next year's draft. So they actually upgraded a late-round pick to a third-round pick and got a year's worth of left tackle play and won the Super Bowl. That, that's just great business, you know? You sound a bit jealous if you ask me, Hey, I'm I'm jealous, but in a way I'm glad because it seems like the model that the Dolphins have now adopted, they seem to have done a similar thing with Jawan James. They didn't want to get in a bidding war. They're going to collect that pick and use it. That's why I think they didn't want to spend the money um, that Teddy Bridgewater wanted to, to have to play in Miami. He, he, the rumour was he wanted $16 million a year um, with money guaranteed into the second year of a deal. I mean, that would have messed with the with the idea of getting a, a third-round comp pick for Jawan James. So they stood their ground, moved on, and signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll let you know my feelings about that one later. But, you know... It, I think they're adopting that same model and I think it's a smart thing to do. You know, if you can turn, 
you know, you don't, you don't want to pay Juwan James to be the highest paid right tackle in the NFL, which he now is, which is insane. I mean, he's a good player, but there's better right tackles out there than Juwan James. So, you know, I think it's a smart move. And I think, hey, we all wish we were the Patriots. So why not start acting like them? Truly acting like them. Um, and of course, they also made the trade for Michael Bennett which I think, you know, they lost Trey Flowers and they bring in Michael Bennett. You know, it's kind of a wash talent-wise. They're both great players. So they haven't got any worse, but they're paying less money for Michael Bennett. And all they had to do was give up a draft pick, and he probably walks next year in free agency as well, and they pick up a draft pick the year after that. You know, the cycle continues. That's how how they stay on top. You know, they don't make a lot of moves. They're not flashy moves. I believe Bill Belichick was actually on holiday this week as well. Um... So, yeah, uh, I think that they've made great moves. And then, of course, the other team that I won't go on too much about is I think the Browns had a great, you know, a great week as well. You know, not just with, with the big signing, but also the free agent moves they made as well. I think they've, they've been smart. They've used their resources well. I'm certainly not going to disagree with that. Um so I'll touch on the Browns. Um, so we, we closed last week's podcast with a little bit of a wish list, if you like, and my wish list very much included a trade for Odell Beckham, which had been rumoured. Um, it was obviously highly unlikely. I still actually pinch myself to realise that it actually happened. Um, it is quite unbelievable to think that two years ago, the Browns opened up the season with Josh McCown at quarterback, and his top two wide receivers were Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman. Uh, you fast forward to opening day, hopefully, of the 2019 season, you're going to have Baker Mayfield throw into Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. It's an absolutely phenomenal turnaround. I'm not going to get into the whole Sashi Brown, John Dorsey debate. Um, I've sort of made my views on that now and in the past. Um, what I will say is, I think John Dorsey's doing an excellent job currently with the resources at his disposal. I'm not in the slightest bit concerned around any salary cap implications. Um, there's still salary cap to spend in terms of for this year if they continue to wanting to be aggressive. Um, I really like the other moves that were made. So the Olivier Vernon trade, um, which we did briefly touch on last week. Um, essentially bringing in a pass rusher um, in an exchange for a, a guard. Don't get me wrong, Kevin's out are a very good guard, um, but we got a lot invested in that position with Batonio and last year's second-round pick, Austin Corbett. Um, so more than happy to get Vernon on board. I think that's a good defensive end to partner with Miles Garrett. Uh, you then bring in Sheldon Richardson, who has been a good disruptive interior defensive lineman for a number of years. He's bounced around... Um, for the last few seasons, got into some off-the-field issues early in his career. That's obviously not something that seems to bother John Dorsey. Um, He's obviously got a record for taking players with a bit of a questionable character, which I know doesn't sit easily with some fans. Um, You know, but ultimately, um, you know, Richardson, the player, he's certainly a talent, so he comes in on a three-year deal. Um, I think one of the most underrated moves as well, actually, he's probably the least flashy of them all, and that's bringing in Demetrius Harris, a tight end from... Kansas City, he's a big six foot seven inch target, um, will be really useful in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I like David Njoku as a player. Um, I think he's still very young. We should never forget that. 
Um, but certainly he is an old regime pick and any new regime wants to bring in their own guys. Um, I think David Njoku needs a big season. I think he needs to improve his run blocking in particular. Um, you know, he's, he's quite good as a receiver. He's almost a wide receiver playing the tight end position, though. He really does need to improve the, the blocking aspect of his game. Um, so I think Demetrius Harris is a, a good addition um, and, and certainly gives Mayfield another target to, to go at. I still think the Browns could still be active in the second wave of free agency. I wouldn't at all be surprised to see a safety being brought in. There's obviously history with Eric Berry um, and Dorsey from the Chiefs. Obviously, he's been injured quite a lot in recent times after obviously overcoming huge um, personal challenges off the field. Um, so it'd be good to see Eric Berry, the player, back in the league. And obviously, if he lines up for the Browns, he would essentially replace Jabril Peppers, who was part of the Odell Beckham trade. Um, but really, really exciting. I've joked in the past that the Browns win every off-season. Um, we certainly seem to be doing quite well this off-season. Let's hope that translates into wins when September rolls around. Um, flipping on its head in terms of teams that haven't done well... Um, and, I, and I'll kick this off before throwing it back to yourself, Lee. I think, you know, I'll probably start with the Giants. Um, you know, to, to give up one of the best players in the league is always questionable. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to sort of question how much of an influence or a negative influence had Odell Beckham become in the locker room. I think there's contrasting reports on that. But certainly from a talent perspective, um, you know, he's right up there with one of the sort of top, two, three wide receivers, I would say, in the league, um, you know, from a talent perspective. Um, and you can trace this back over 12 months, can't you, to the decision to not draft a quarterback in the draft last year. They've still got a decline in Eli Manning, who the general manager still seems to be absolutely 100% fully supportive of. He said so much in a press conference today. Um, there just doesn't seem to really be a clear and cohesive plan for the Giants, and I do worry... Um, around how productive they will be this season. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do when the draft rolls around, whether they do get aggressive and whether they go up um, to try and get a quarterback or whether one will fall down to them. Um, so that will be interesting to see. Um, I think another team that, for me, um, haven't had a particularly great um, start to the off-season um, would be the Vikings. Um, I think re-signing Anthony Barr was an excellent move. Um, I think, you know, he'll obviously prove to be, um, you know, one of the, the hot, sort of higher-end linebackers in the league, um, and his contract suggests that, that he should be. Um, I think they've ended up in a little bit of a bidding war there with the Jets and, and have ultimately probably paid more than certainly they were initially intending to offer for Anthony Barr. Um, but he comes in... Um, in terms of other moves that they've made, though, the running game was obviously a disappointment last year. I know they'll probably be relying on Darwin Cook to come back fully healed from his injury. Um, but obviously losing Latavius Murray, who's gone across to the Saints, they bring in Amir Abdullah, um, who certainly hasn't been anything special at all in his time in the league. Um, the other move that was made, again, I mentioned Sheldon Richardson coming across to the Browns. His replacement, Shamar Stephen. Um, so for me, at positions um, that they sort of have lost some really elite players, I, I don't really see that the Vikings have replaced those players, you know, with players of a similar calibre. Um, 
Obviously a tough division. Green Bay have been quite aggressive in terms of their approach to free agency, which is obviously a change for the Packers. Um, the Bears obviously had a stellar season last year, um, and obviously they would look to continue that with a young nucleus of talent that they've got around them. Um, and the Lions have also been a little bit aggressive in free agency as well. They obviously pulled off the big move for Trey Flowers. Don't get me wrong, I think the Lions need more than a Trey Flowers to become really competitive, but I think in a division that that potentially looks quite juicy on paper. I think the Vikings are in danger of probably standing still with the moves that they've made, if not taking a step or two backwards. So you don't win or lose anything at this time of the year, obviously. Um, so that's just based on what I can see from the transaction sheets. Um, but th- those would be the two for me. Um, just in terms of yourself, Lee, any teams, any deals that you looked at and thought, ooh, what the, what the hell was that one all about? I wouldn't say it's necessarily a deal a particular deal but a team that i think that maybe had a a rough week would be the kansas city chiefs and it, it sounds sounds strange because obviously you know they look like a team that was capable of going to the super bowl last year i mean they obviously were um they, they were electric all year but you know it's kind of started you know months ago when obviously kareem hunt had his problems and now we hear that Tyreek Hill's having some some issues as well. Then you cut Eric Berry, who is the sort of heartbeat of that team. It has been for a long time. And you replace him with Tyron Matthew. Now, to me, that's just a bit of a wash. You know, there's not it's not an upgrade, but it's not a downgrade, but it costs you $42 million to do it. And, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier about um, spending other people's money I'm not not against it they've got the money to spend go for it it just it just seems like a bit of a sideways move and then you let you know you trade D Ford which again is fine he's signed for a massive deal and you've replaced him really with Alex Okafor you know that that, that's a downgrade so you know if Tyreek Hill's issues turn out to be more than just um a headline and it turns into some sort of suspension. I think they could be a team that that have a really rough start to the season. Yeah, I think I think the Tyreek Hill one is a really interesting one to watch. I mean, obviously, you know, we should point out that it's alleged at the moment, and there's not really been an awful lot of commentary one way or the other on this. So, it's an alleged incident where it's it, you know alleged that a child has been um, essentially left, I believe, with a broken arm. Um, so, like I said, we'll wait and see what happens in terms of the investigation on that one. Um, but do not underestimate how huge a piece of that offense Tyreek Hill is, even if he's not getting the ball. Um, he is the speed demon that's going to take the top off the defense. He's the one that's going to draw a lot of the double teams. That opens up Kelsey over the middle if need be. Hill will still get his share of targets and, and catches. I mean, every... Every time you turn red zone on on a Sunday afternoon, it seems like Hill's taking 150, 60 yards for a score. Um, you know, so he does get his fair share of deep bombs. Um, I think he's a really interesting one to watch as we progress. Um, obviously, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. I think it's probably fair to say that if there is any um, conviction, I think the you know the league will come down huge. And rightfully so, um, you know. But like I say, we have to stress at this time it is an allegation, so we'll wait and see how that plays out legally. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just—I just think it's an interesting uh, situation in regards to the Chiefs 
being obviously in that Super Bowl window, they were close. And you, you think they would want to be spending that money to push themselves over the edge where they just seem to have plugged holes that they've kind of made themselves, which I found a bit interesting. The, the other deal, I have thought of a deal that I, I wasn't, that I, I find a bit bizarre, and that's the Le'Veon Bell deal because he essentially gained nothing by sitting out a year of football. Um, and now he's gone to the New York Jets. And this isn't isn't a personal bias, but Adam Gase doesn't like a workhorse back. He he likes to have numerous backs spread spread the work between them and really keep teams guessing, which is fine. But Le'Veon Bell really thrives by being fed the ball, and I don't know. It, it just seems like a weird, um, a strange you know, match of, of coach and running back. So it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. I think, you know, potentially it's a great, great pickup to um, help out Sam Darnold, you know, and really, really kind of take the weight off his shoulders, allow him just to do the things that, that he can do whilst learning how to play in the NFL properly after a bit of a injury plague season last year. But as I say, I just find, find that a bit of an interesting signing. The money is obviously weird because he, he didn't make any more money by sitting out than had he just played for the Steelers last year. He didn't get a bigger contract from the Jets and then he was offered, you know, over a year ago. I mean, someone's seriously got a question who was advising him that this was a good idea, this was the right course of action because Antonio Brown's just proved that if you go about it in a particular way, you can get yourself traded. And he would have been better off and probably got a bigger deal that way, not missed a year of football. And then, then there's obviously, there's been some reports and I can't stress this enough, they're only reports, so I I know nothing other than what I've read, saying that he's come in a little bit chubby. And apparently he had the same problem in um, in college. He, he struggled with his weight and the first year in the NFL he um, had some weight issues. So, you know, after a year out of football, the Jets kind of signed him unseen. So, you know, I think that'd be an interesting one to see going forward. I think a lot, you know, when we look back on a lot of these contracts, we'll think players weren't worth what they were signed for, but that's the price you pay in free agency. You know, the prices are high. Um, and I think you, you rarely get what you think you're paying for. Yeah, it's it. it Le'Veon Bell is an interesting one, isn't it? And, you know, he'll never answer this question, honestly, not publicly anyway, but, you know, I'd love to sort of know if he could have his time again, whether he would do it differently. Um, obviously, you know, like you said, certainly not going to get anywhere near the money that he was offered with the Steelers. Um, you would certainly argue he's in a, in a lot less favourable position as well with the Jets. Um, although, with that being said, obviously, they, you know, fingers crossed for them, have got their young quarterback to build around moving forward. Um, so it is an interesting one. We'll see how he is when September rolls around. Um not going to skip on to our next section until we ask you then about your views on Fitzmagic in Miami. Obviously, we talked last week you were a bit concerned about Tyrod Taylor. Uh, <laughs> you didn't get Tyrod Taylor. You've ended up with Mr. Fitzpatrick. So, what's your views? So, I, I, I struggle to see the plan. Now, I don't mind, as the Joker said in, in, in Batman, I don't mind if the plan is horrible. I just want to know what the plan is. Um, yeah, so you've moved on from a sort of middle-of-the-road quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, you know, who, who perpetually got you to 7-9, and 9-7, 8-8, nine, nine and and to a quarterback who is the definition of up and down and basically middle-of-the-road. Now, I understand, you know, 
the money looks good. It's a two-year deal uh, for $11 million. There's not a lot guaranteed in the second year, so they're capable of moving on. I can. I think he's he's good for what Brian Flores wants to do in transitioning a little bit of the New England Patriot game over in regards to he's super smart. Now, if anyone's ever watched um, Fitzpatrick play in a broadcast, they will tell you a thousand times that he went to Harvard. Um He's a super smart guy, and I think that's what you need to be to run the Patriots system. I don't know if you know you don't have to have the biggest arm because I don't think Tom Brady's got the biggest arm. I don't think you have to be the most physically gifted because Tom Brady turns slower than a boat, you know. But you have to be able to make the right decisions. You have to know where people are going to be. You know, you have to know that system inside out. And I think he's going to be good for that. But I think the reason that they brought him in is to mentor somebody else. And I believe that they're going to move up in this year's draft to do it. I mean, there's any Dolphins fans out there will will have seen on Twitter and and Facebook and all the other social media outlets, everybody wanting to to tank for tour in next year's draft. But I just don't see it. You You know, Fitzpatrick will win too many games to have that higher draft pick. So I think they have earmarked their guy in this year's draft and they're going to go after him and have him kind of mentored by Fitzpatrick. If he's ready to go, then he plays. And if not, you put Fitzpatrick in and when he's ready, you bring him in kind of, you know, Patrick Mahomes style, you know, give him a year. If that's what it takes, then fine. So I think it's probably a smart move. They had to eat some of the money on Ryan Tannehill's contract as well. They they paid him $5 million to basically leave in the trade, um, which I think long-term is smart, but right now it means you've still got quite a bit of money invested in the in the quarterback position. You know, it's not just that $11 million. So I can't say I was over the moon when I saw it because if they don't get their guy in the draft, we're back to six wins, which is... Not really going to get us anywhere we want to be going. So, I think for the plan to work, they have to have selected their guy. Whether that's a Kyler Murray, I'm not sure. I don't know. Something just tells me that I, I think they will find someone who's got a similar skill set to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that the learn, you know, the the learning can be exactly the same. Really take him under his wing. This is how we do things. This is how you you know you quarterback in the NFL. So. I need to watch some more tape. I think Drew Locke's probably a similar kind of guy. Big arm, little bit um, inconsistent with accuracy, but kind of a similar kind of guy. I I don't know about the top two guys in um, Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray. I mean, if they, if they want a guy like Kyler Murray, they're going to have to be making some interesting deals to get up the draft board, hold on to your hats for the next few weeks because... They're gonna they're gonna have to give up some assets to do that, but because of the way they've played out in free agency, they do have assets. You know, right now if the if the compensation picks work out the way everybody expects them to do, Miami will roll into next year's draft with eleven draft picks. So they've they've got some capital to do that if they want to, and I think they will be aggressive and go and get their guy. I don't think they um, have signed a coach like Brian Flores who's used to winning just to go and lose in the first year. I think that's a really hard hard sell on the locker room as well. You know, there's other guys there who are playing for contracts like Laramie Tunsil or even Xavier Howard, who I think should be paid now. But, you know, guys like that who are playing for a contract, they, 
They don't want to sit and duck a quarterback. You know, they don't want someone to come in and help them lose so they can get a quarterback next year. That doesn't help them in their careers. So I think that's a really tough sell in a locker room. So I hope that's not what they're doing and that they've got their dead guy earmarked and we uh, we find out a bit more in the next couple of weeks when they move up the draft board to go get him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch. I think, you know, Fitzpatrick has, has obviously played that role in the past in terms of being that backup, that mentor. Uh, he certainly got nothing but praise from his appearance over here in the UK on the most recent NFL Live Tour. He obviously has a massive love for the game. Uh, from a neutral's perspective, you know he's obviously you know great entertainment. Um, you know he's as good as he's, he's as good a deep ball thrower as you'll find. Um, you know he actually really suited the Bucks' offense, um, but he obviously does come like you say with some questionable decision making at times. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it certainly will be entertaining watching the guys play on a Sunday. Um, just before we move on in the podcast, a big shout out to Tim Monk, who is the host over at the Full Ten Yards podcast. Um, so Tim put an article up onto our site this week, just explaining his view on free agency. Um, for him, the clear winner in terms of divisions was the AFC. So there is a little bit of chatting there about the moves that the Dolphins have made. Um, as well as the other teams in that division. So if you haven't read it yet, go and check out the article on the site. Tim, thanks very much for the submission. And uh, obviously you can check out Tim and the guys over at the full 10 yards also. Uh, There's still plenty of moves potentially to be made, and that's where we're going to move to next. We're going to take a look at some of the remaining free agents that are out there and who we think they might end up with um, in the coming weeks. So we're moving into the second phase of free agency, a um, little bit like the loan window in English football, not quite as much excitement as that initial burst of the transfer window and the big money sign-ins, um, but certainly still an opportunity for teams to add some depth um, across their rosters. Uh, there are still, however, quite a few big names out there in the market. Um, a few of these names, surprisingly, are still out there in the market, um, so there could still be quite a bit of cash being slapped around over the course of the coming days and weeks. So we'll just touch for you on a few of these um, as we go through who's left. Um, Lee, I'm going to start off with the one guy that, for me, I'm very surprised that he's still on the market. He feels like he's been around forever in a day, but as we've both just found out, he's actually only 30 years of age. <laughs> Um, and that's Justin Houston, who's been released from the Chiefs, um, a guy that comes in with over 75 sacks in his career, um, outside linebacker, um, surprised he's on the market. I've got a pretty obvious fit for him. Where do you see Justin Houston potentially ending up? Um, I think, this is like you said a minute ago, this is an interesting time of year because a lot of these guys, um, they're trying to find the right fit. And I think you'll see a few players even leave this until maybe into training camp and wait until someone gets hurt, you know, especially some of the older guys. Um, I'm guessing Justin Houston's on the market literally just because of his past injury history. But I, I think, you know, there's a lot of teams that he's the sort of guy that can help you get over, over the hump. You know, he's got experience. He seems to be good in the locker room. seems to be highly, highly thought of. Um I don't know where I'd put him. I think I say I think there's a lot of teams that could could do with a player like Justin Houston in their locker room. Um, where where do you see him going? I think the one for me that makes sense um, from a scheme perspective and a need perspective is is 
possibly at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they signed Earl Thomas last week as a big free agent addition to play safety. Um, Earl Thomas um, has been making news this afternoon, as it happens, to try and recruit Justin Houston across um, to the Ravens. Um, I think that makes sense. They've lost Terrell Suggs, who's been there forever and a day. And they've lost Darius Smith. You know, that was a lot of pressure last year from those two guys. 40 quarterback hits between them. Um, I think bringing in somebody of Houston's ability, um, who, like I said, has got 75 sacks plus on his career. Um, and he hasn't slowed down. You know, he's had 18 and a half of those over the last two years. Um, you know, I think he's somebody that still consistently does get pressure. Um, I can see him being a good fit there. Um when we first started talking about free agency, we were posed a question around um, who were the best free agents. And I made the point then that there were an awful lot of players on the defensive line and in pass rushing capacities. Next guy I'm going to talk at, he's one of those guys, injury prone, certainly got talent, hasn't necessarily always fulfilled his potential. Um, but I'm talking about Ziggy Anza, um, obviously now released from the Lions, former first round pick. Um He's the kind of player that, you know, he's just got too much talent for somebody not to take a flyer on him, wouldn't you say, Lee? I definitely agree. You know, I think there's going to be a little bit of a common thread here where we see players that have got some sort of injury history, as in more than one injury, you know. Um, but like you say, that, you know, if, they, if they're good guys, their production is there then someone will always give them a chance. They will always get another opportunity somewhere. So, yeah, I definitely see him. Uh, you know, doing a great job for someone. Yeah, and just to put it into perspective for those that are sort of coming into the the game and, and haven't watched NFL for a huge period of time, we talked last week about Trey Flowers and the deal that he signed with the Lions, which is essentially, if you like, Anzar's replacement. So Trey Flowers signed for $90 million plus over a five-year period. In the last two seasons, Ziggy Anzar has actually got more sacks than Trey Flowers. Since 2017, Ziggy Anzar has produced a quarterback hit. So that's not necessarily a sack, but that's getting to the quarterback and hitting him on over 10% of his pass rushing opportunities. All right. That's the best rate of any free agent in the class. The, the question here is around his injury proneness, um, but I certainly see him somewhere on a one-year deal. Um, and I think you know the Colts need to improve their pass rush. Um, he could be a good fit. Um, big man in the middle and Dominican Sue obviously took a one year prove it deal with the Rams last year nearly ended in a Super Bowl victory certainly played his best football at the back end of the season was, was huge in the playoff win in New Orleans um, a player that again has bounced around the last couple of years he's obviously played now for three different teams in recent times um, do you think it's another case of ideal opportunity for Sue big one year deal um, or do you think now he's getting into the back nine of his career, he'd actually be looking for a, a three or four year deal somewhere that he can uh, play out towards retirement? I think, and we mentioned this on the, um, on our Super Bowl preview when asked about whether they'd be able to the Rams would be able to retain Sue. Um, I think had had they won the Super Bowl, we're probably talking about him getting a mega deal this year because he played so well in the playoffs. Um, but I think. He takes another one-year deal. He wants to take a good chunk of money. You know, he'll take a lot of it in a signing bonus, so it doesn't affect the cap too much. 
Um, I think he's sitting out there biding his time, waiting to pick a team. You know, I think he'll have multiple offers and he'll pick the best fit where he thinks, right, this is going to be able to lead me to get that contract next year. You know, whereas the best chance to win, the best chance for him to showcase his talent. He's made um, he's made it known in the past that he understands that this is a business and that his his playing time, you know, his playing lifespan is only going to be limited, and that he intends to make the most money he can whilst he's able to. Which is you know, super smart. Got no problem with that. You know, he's upfront about it, which I think is good. But yeah, I think that way, you know, he kind of sits out there, bides his time, and then and picks a you know a team that fits what he wants to do. You know, someone that's probably competitive just needs that extra piece. Um, I don't know if it happens, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him hanging on later, maybe even towards draft time, where some of this starts to kind of work itself out and um, someone looks at their team and says, we really need a big guy in the middle that can disrupt things and take on double teams. You know, and then you know he can take them for a little more money. Yeah, I think one of the, the sort of Bits of news coming out this week, whether you believe it or not, was how happy Sue was, apparently, from a personal perspective, living over on the West Coast. Um, now, if that is the case, I think, you know, if he does take a one-year deal, he's going to want to be somewhere competitive. Um, I could see him potentially switching LA allegiances, potentially, with the Chargers. I think that'd be fun. Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa and Dominican Sue. That would yeah. be an interesting front. Um few others that are on here, I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time on them. Clay Matthews, obviously big name, um, has had a good career with the Packers. Um, but obviously, um, certainly a guy um, who, you know, he's, he's probably well past his best, I would say it's fair to say. Um, obviously, why the Packers aren't bringing him back, his market has been fairly quiet. Um, Zach Brown, um I think Zach Brown probably ends up somewhere like the Bengals. The Bengals today released Vontez Perfect. Um, and I think, you know, they will need a tackling machine in there at the middle linebacker position. And I think Zach Brown, who has um, in the past led the league in tackles, is a good fit there. Um, the other linebacker that's still out there, um, and we talked a little bit off air around this guy, Jamie Collins. Talk about a fall from grace. One seen as arguably the best linebacker or certainly potentially the best linebacker um, during his time with the Patriots. Um, suffered a dip in form. Got traded to the Browns. Very, very frustrating player to watch. Certainly has got lots of ability. Probably lacks motivation. Um, I think there's probably an obvious link here, though, Lee, in terms of the Detroit Lions. And do you just want to touch on, you know, I've said a few times here about obvious links. I know this is something that me and you have talked about. can be a little bit frustrating. Sometimes it's a little bit of lazy journalists um, in terms of creating these links. Do you just want to have a little 30-second rant about that? Yeah, why not? We love a good rant. Um, yeah, we, we were talking and saying... It's interesting when a team gets a new head coach or a new front office or a new owner or a new player that all of a sudden you're linked to everybody that he was ever linked to. You know, talking from a personal perspective, you know, we took Brian Flores as a, as a new head coach, which was a fine decision. He then took on a bunch of Patriots coaching staff. So now anyone that's ever played for the Patriots, ever had links to the Patriots, 
ever had a cousin that worked selling popcorn in New England. He is now linked with joining the Miami Dolphins. He must be because he's a scheme fit. He's everything. Do you know what I mean? And what if, what if Brian Flores doesn't want to run the same scheme? What if he wants to, you know, what if him and Bill Belichick decided they wanted to do something one way there and he thinks actually I'd rather tweak that, you know, when I get, when I have a job myself. And, you know, this goes for, for everyone. You know, we we spoke earlier about Dorsey and the Browns. You know, every chief that gets cut, every chief that's looking to be traded, they're going to say, oh, well, he's got a link to John Dorsey. <laughs> that no, doesn't, mean, doesn't mean anything. That's why a lot of these, a lot of these guys are moved on. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you say, you know, Jamie Collins and Matt Patricia might be the best of enemies, aren't they, for all we know. So it is, it is lazy journalism, to say the least. Um but we've got we've gone through a bit of a list there, and I think the thing that stands out to me is, like I said, right at the outset of free agency, you know, weeks in advance of it kicking off, lots and lots of depth defensively, not that much in terms of offensively. I think the market for wide receivers has been extremely quiet, and um, there are a couple of ex-Packers that are out there in Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Um, I can see. I would like to see Jordy Nelson back with Aaron Rodgers. I think Jordy Nelson um, would probably come with a little bit of a hometown discount for the Packers as well. Um, and I think he sort of, you know, had a season last year coming back from injury where, um, you know, he, you know, he did okay in in Oakland. Um, I think obviously they're moving on with the addition of Antonio Brown, Terrell Williams being paid in free agency. You know, there's only so many targets to go around. Um, but I think that Nelson back to the pack has probably makes sense. Uh, the one offensive player that, that ironically is actually coming from being cut from the Raiders, um, who I just want to talk about quickly, is Jared Cook, the tight end. Um, so again, another player that we've talked about. Seems to be, in my opinion, someone that uh, you know produces, at certainly an average level, I would actually argue probably above average. He seems to have bounced around the league. I think he's had... You know, several teams since he entered into the league. Um, but for me, if you're looking for, you know, a big target, he's certainly good from a reception perspective. 68 catches, nearly 900 yards and six touchdowns last year with the Raiders. You know, we what was a struggling Raiders team. That's some excellent production. And I certainly think that teams looking for a, uh, looking for a tight end, excuse me, um, would certainly be... Um, sensible to to throw some attention Jared Cook's way, Lee. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think you know everyone thinks that their own players are great. I think when you really, really sort of put your own fandom aside and, and weigh up, all right, is Jared Cook better than what we've got on our roster? There's going to be a lot of teams out there that actually, yeah, he probably is. So you know, if you're willing to give him a little bit, a little bit of money, I don't think he's going to be expensive. He's got this far through free agency. You know, the market obviously wasn't, um, there wasn't teams knocking the door down for him, but he's a reliable pair of hands. He's good in the locker room. I thought he, he you know, he was a great ambassador when he came over for the NFL live events. The end of last year, I believe it was, was it beginning? It might be the beginning of the year, actually. Um, you know, spoke well, was great with the fans. You know, just seems like an all-round kind of good guy, got to be honest, and a good football player. So, you know, I think... I wouldn't like to guess where he's going to go. But again, he may be one of those ones that you see even sort of roll on later into the year where it's, it's uh-oh, someone gets hurt. Like a, a Gronkowski maybe decides all of a sudden to up and nope, not doing this anymore. 
then all of a sudden Jared Cook is a brilliant option. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, someone like a Travis Kelsey gets hurt. He's, a, you know, Jared Cook's a plug-and-play type of guy. So, yeah, I think, you know, we're definitely going to see him on the field this year catching passes. Um, you know, he basically was that Raiders offense for a lot of last year. So, uh, I mean, that, I think those numbers are only a shining example of what he can do. And he's been on some pretty average teams. So, I think, you know, he probably deserves to be with a, with a winner. I thought the one year in in Green Bay was not enough. You know, we'd like to have seen him there longer. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, just to sort of wrap this sort of section of the podcast up, I think one that probably makes a lot of sense in terms of giving him that opportunity to be with the winner and where there's a need is possibly with New Orleans. Um, so Ben Watson, long-time reliable performer, um, retiring this off-season. Um, I think Jared Cook potentially coming in. I think the Saints are all in on the Super Bowl this year um, in terms of what Drew Brees has done with his contract, which we'll touch on shortly. Um, I think that's a, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I think there has been a visit there. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say, as you, you alluded to, he will be catching footballs from somebody. Um, and I think, like I said, the Saints do make a ton of sense. So still plenty of business to be done, still plenty of deals to be had. Obviously, as we get towards draft season, focus will switch towards those upcoming college prospects. Um, but don't be at all surprised to see a few more veterans finding a home in the coming weeks. And, and as Lee's alluded to a couple of times, certainly as we get into off-season activities and training camps will soon be rolling around once those injuries start picking up. A few of these names won't be free agents for a lot longer. Okay, just to close the podcast this week, we've talked a lot about players being signed. We've talked about ridiculous amounts of cash being spent. Um, and as always is the case at this time of the year, um, you get people with differing views um, that want to talk about salary cap. Um, myself and Lee have probably expressed over the course of the last couple of weeks that we aren't as concerned as others when it comes to salary cap. And just really to sort of illustrate that, um, just want to touch on what potentially, and we have to say potentially because there's nothing confirmed with this, but what potentially is huge news this week in terms of arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game in Drew Brees and his renegotiation of his contract or restructuring of his contract with the New Orleans Saints. So, again, for those of you new into the game, when these contracts are signed, they're signed for an amount of money over a period of time. Um, but quite often, teams then restructure those deals partway through. And essentially what it does is it actually frees up um, or moves around salary cap implications. So we've touched on salary cap. That's the figure that each team has to spend or has to, sorry, spend within. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but just to keep it simple, let's just you know go with that as the basics of it. Um, and what the Saints have essentially done here with this restructure is they have freed up an additional $10.8 million in salary cap um, which can be spent during the 2019 season. It effectively is kicking the can down the road a little bit in terms of Breezy's contract. Um, there are some um, sort of voids um, options in terms of 2020, and the big sort of suggestion from this restructure is that it may well be Breezy's last season at the helm of the Saints. 
So just touching on the football aspect of it firstly, do you think if it, this is the last season, it's the right time for him to go? Um, or do you think I'm reading too much into this and actually this is just good accounting and Breezy's likely to play for a number of years yet? Um, I think you could be, you know, there's definitely going to be some smoke here. Um, I actually thought if they were to go on and win the Super Bowl that we may have got a surprise announcement saying that that, that was going to be his last game because I think if, if you're a quarterback of that calibre, you, you want to go out on a high you know, we know these Super Bowl windows are, are short for a lot of teams. He's obviously up there in age. So, you know, it, it, if they were to not go as far in the playoffs or not look as good this year, it'd be tough to, to see a good reason to come back and just keep, you know, keep trying. Obviously, the team changes dramatically every year. But, you know, you've got to take into account his age, the wear and tear on his body. Obviously, he, he loves playing and he's still at a high level. But... We've seen it in the past. These quarterbacks can really fall off a cliff when it's when you know when they start to start to decline. And I think he would rather go out at the top of his game rather than um, rather than risk that happening. And I think that's probably the right way to do it. You know, he there'll be a statue erected for him in in New Orleans, rightfully so, for the for the work he's done on and off the field in New Orleans. So. Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility that 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 happens. Yeah, so you know, I would agree from a football perspective. I think you know, I love Drew Brees. He's one of the quarterbacks I always enjoy watching him play. I remember the Saints' run to the Super Bowl um, and some of the the sort of mammoth comebacks that he orchestrated. He's always been an absolute pleasure to watch. Um, I think in terms of from the financial aspect. Um, I think, obviously, like I say, very clever accounting here from the Saints. I mean, obviously, you know, finances are going to have to be paid at some point. Um, but as it stands for now, his cap figure, um, essentially, he's going to be around about 8% of the cap next year, even if he does retire. Um, so from a dead money perspective, you know, that's hardly going to be anything that they're going to be overly concerned about. I think they're obviously making a pretty big commitment to Teddy Bridgewater in terms of sitting behind Breeze, I think. I wouldn't say he's been guaranteed the job, but I think he's probably got a fair assumption that um, he has an opportunity potentially to win that job next year. Otherwise, I think he probably would have gone elsewhere in free agency the chance to start this year. Um, so I think you know the signs certainly are pointing towards it being a farewell season and hopefully the Saints fans and Fabrice, um they can go further than they did this year because um, obviously they're one of the most exciting teams to watch. Um, in terms of salary cap, I think we'll probably spend a little bit of time over the coming weeks. Um, we'll probably have a couple of articles on the site explaining it in a little bit more depth and detail. Um, but I think the encouraging thing, and like I say, certainly as a as a more casual fan, um, you know, we've said often before, mate. You know, let's. Let's not worry about spending a billionaire's money. Um, you know, it's great to see these teams uh, and these players earning the money that they are. You know, compared to some other sports, you know, these sound like crazy numbers, but it's probably peanuts in comparison to what some others are actually earning. Um, there's still an awful lot of cap space potentially to throw around this year in terms of the Colts, Texans, Jets, 49ers. All four of those teams have still got over 40 million. 
Um, and then there's another bunch of teams, the Cardinals, the Bills, the Browns, the Raiders, the Dolphins and the Bengals, all with over 30 million to spend. So it may well seem as though, you know, John Dorsey's playing Madden type football with the Browns, for example. Um, but actually, as I alluded to earlier, if he really wanted to, he could still be really, really aggressive this year. You're obviously shortening a Super Bowl window, um, you know, but is it a risk worth taking? You know, I think ask any fan of a team that's been to a Super Bowl recently and, and has tasted that success. That's ultimately what you play the game for. Um, and like I say, some clever accounting people will always make sure that the books balance at the end of the day, I would suggest. So I'm certainly not too worried about it, but we'll try and educate people and possibly ourselves a little bit over the coming weeks and months. We'll put some stuff onto the website um, and we'll talk about it in a bit more depth as we move towards the season. Um, that'll do us for this week. As over, you can follow the site at all32uk on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, please sign up and submit any articles that you wish to, as Tim did this week. Thanks again, Tim, for your article. Um, you know, we're not naive. We are in the off season. You know, there's not a huge amount of news outside of free agency. Um, you know, but it'd be great for people to be letting us know how they feel their teams have done or, you know, players that they wish they had signed, et cetera, et cetera. So get yourself signed up and get articles submitted. Uh, Lee, where can people find yourself personally, mate? So you can find me at all32lee on Twitter. So trying to be a bit more active on there. Um, still getting used, used to it, I'd say. But, um, yeah, let's talk about some stuff. And it, 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 the other thing is it's all right to just write opinion pieces. You know, they don't have to be based on news. Just write how you feel about your team. Absolutely. We love opinions and be biased. That's what it's all about. Fans are allowed to be biased. We always say that the fan knows best. So, you know, we won't argue with you. We'll just debate with you. That's what it's all about. We absolutely love doing this every week. And we look forward to debating with more of you over the coming weeks and months. That will be us for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you all soon.